Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Gals and a Mic podcast. I'm your host, Sue Curver, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Shannon Stroop, who is an Air Force veteran with three combat tours under her belt, and she's now using her experiences to teach the concepts of post-traumatic growth to veterans and first responders. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited that you're here. So let's start by talking a little bit about your time in the Air Force. Tell us about uh, time in service and maybe how it changed you. Yeah, you know, I spent six years in security forces in the Air Force, a couple combat tours, and it wasn't what I was expecting at, at very first, right? So I went in um, wanting to be a cop my whole life. So that's naturally what I did in the military. But of course, post 9-11, I spent more time overseas. And for, uh, you know, a blonde haired, blue eyed female being in Iraq and Afghanistan was traumatic, to say the least. Right. I experienced a lot um, working detainee operations, working uh, flight line security in Afghanistan. It just it wasn't the Air Force that I imagined it was it would be. And maybe that was me being a little bit naive going in at 19 years old. Uh, but at the end of the day, it gave me it gave me purpose, you know, to be of service to my country, community. It gave me the discipline that I was really looking for that I didn't have as a teen and gave me a family, family away from family, you know, building bonds with people from all over the world, different backgrounds and cultures, and really opened my eyes to the fact that there is a lot of beauty in the midst of, of war. So what caused you to get out of this service? Because you said that you spent six years on active duty and then you transitioned out. Was it the trauma? It was a little bit the trauma. And then, you know, I started to lose a couple of friends um, towards the end of my career, which kind of spiraled me into making some some bad decisions, you know, picking up alcohol a little bit. And when I sought help, it was frowned upon. Their way of dealing with it was kind of to, to pull my gun and my badge and to have me sweeping rocks in a parking lot, all for, for asking for help. And that didn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. And towards the last probably six months I was in, I got orders to a base that I just simply had no desire to go to. And all my first sergeant said basically was, you know, shit or get off the pot was his words verbatim. And, you know, I thought back to all the years that I had given to them, you know, volunteered for one of my deployments. Uh, I was working in the training unit. And I, I promoted pretty, pretty quickly, um, gave them everything I had and uh, one mistake and asked for help one time. And he didn't care basically is, is, is how I felt. So it was in that moment that I realized that, you know, it was probably time for me to get out. But that couldn't have been an easy decision because you just said that you had family. I mean, it's almost like the Air Force was part of your family. And, you know, here you have someone or maybe a group of people that haven't made you feel very positive about reaching out, asking for help, these decisions that you're making. So how did you transition? Tell us a little bit about that. Gosh, you know, I don't know if I if I really did fully transition for a long time. I had a hard time uh, when I took that badge and that beret off. I had no idea who Shannon was. I went in at 19, a young kid already trying to figure out who I was, went into the military that that gave me this identity. And then when I put that identity down, I truly just had no idea who I was. So, you know, I went back home and I had a lot of people telling me that I looked different. I sounded different. That was also confusing because. You know, I just imagine I'd come back home and I would I'd mold right back into the, the community I left as a kid. And that just wasn't the case anymore. You know, at first I went out a lot, socialized a lot, you know, had a couple different jobs, really wasn't finding my footing in the professional world. And then I found myself kind of 
going back to, to bad habits and maybe isolating myself, you know, drinking a little bit too much when times were difficult because I felt better just being alone, um, mm -hmm. sitting in my own confusion instead of, you know, sharing that with other people and other people telling me who I, who they thought I was. Were you afraid to share it? I mean, you had asked for help one time in the military and basically got shot down. So were you afraid to share your story and ask for help when you were, when you were making that transition back to civilian status? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was terrified. I, I didn't really say anything to my, to my friends, to my family. And that stress and that confusion really started to resonate physically in my body. And then I started to experience panic attacks. I started to feel like things were physically wrong. I was finding myself in and out of the ER and I'd get in there and they'd be like, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing going on. We can't find anything physically wrong, but I felt just all wrong in my body. So that resonates with me because I have experienced the same thing as far as, you know, the panic attacks and the, oh my gosh, what's, what's happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of this whole loss of self. Um, did you feel a loss of purpose? 100%, 100%. In fact, I think my very first job out of the military was washing cars at, at Avis. And I would often go to work early in the morning and be like, what in the hell am I doing here? Like, what is this? So the purpose was stripped right along with the, the beret and the uniform. You know, when we've talked previously, you said that your journey has been long and hard and clearly it has been and literally filled with uh, blood, sweat and tears and that you had to push past fear in order to grow. So you've talked a little bit about what held you back. I would assume that some of those experiences that you had with people not uh, wanting to hear you and help you when you were asking for help, but what was the catalyst to propel you forward? Because clearly Shannon, you're not in that space right now. No, no, not at all. You know, I think it was someone calling me on my own shit and, and being like, you know what, something is not right. Um, I'm seeing a decline and it was a supervisor of mine at the time I was working for misdemeanor probation in the, in the county that I lived in. And he sat me down and, and was just like, I don't know what you need or where you need to go to find it, but you need to find it. When someone finally called me on it, I was like, okay, I, I threw myself a, a life raft and was like, okay, that you have nothing else to lose, uh, but you have a whole lot to gain if you just own the confusion and the mess that you're sitting in, but to start doing something about it. And what'd you do? I, I got online in my office and I Googled, you know, veteran retreat or veteran help. I, I couldn't even tell you to this day what I actually Googled. Um, and I found a whole plethora of things on there. You know, a lot of it, VA services, this VA services, that. Um, but there were a few nonprofits out there that looked promising in terms of, of helping veterans who were kind of feeling like I was feeling. And so you contacted one of those programs or a couple of those programs? I did. I contacted one program specifically, and that was it. I put in one application. I let it sit, and it didn't sit for very long. Within a couple of days, I was already getting a phone call to have a conversation much like we're having now to see where I was at and see if what they had to offer would be a good fit. And before I knew it, I was on my way to, to that program. Okay, so walk us through what you did in this program. So this program taught me the concept of post-traumatic growth. So PTG that basically says what doesn't kill us makes us wiser. And essentially it's going back and really understanding some of the things that we have been through and recognizing that there's nothing wrong with us. 
we have just been through a whole lot of stuff in our lives that has um, caused us to react to certain things rather than respond to life. After a couple of days of being there, um, the light bulb, it just went off. And I was seeing my life and the world around me through a completely different lens in just a very short time out of the seven days of being there. Okay, but surely things couldn't have switched for you in seven days. That's like a week. So how did you take what they taught you and do something with it? Or did you just go home and you didn't do anything with it? And you were like, oh, that was nice. That was a good week, a week break. <laughs> so <laughs> so to be honest with you, um, you know, I remember getting home very late that that night on day seven of the seven day program and sitting on my bed and being like, okay, all that was wonderful. I feel good, but how the hell do I incorporate this in, into my life? Like, what will this look like? Mm-hmm. And I just decided to break it down into very small, just bite sizes, right? To digest really what I've learned. And, you know, I figured if I started with some of the wellness practices and helped myself gain that calm and clarity that I could go back, you know, think about some of the traumatic things that I'd been through, you know, think about my childhood a little bit deeper and and spend time in those experiences that they wouldn't hurt so much anymore. So that's what I did. I think I started, you know, every morning doing a little journaling and then every, um, every morning and night doing some meditation. And then after a while, I started to incorporate the rest of the wellness practices that were given to me. And then I made time, you know, in my week to go back and very intentionally sit in my memories and kind of go back to some of the experiences and, and, you know, what I learned from that, you know, what was the positive that I can pull out of that experience. And I would do that week in week out. And it wasn't easy. Some weeks were really hard and some some weeks I just want to throw everything I learned in the trash because I didn't want to go and, and look at some of it anymore. I wanted to really just take where I was and just keep moving forward. But I knew there was still some healing that I had to do. So, you know, I just leaned in. I showed myself a little bit of grace every day. And when I got frustrated, I would just take a step back, take a break and know that, you know, it's it was a marathon and not a sprint. And if I just gave myself time to incorporate what I'd learned into my daily life, that it could really take me somewhere that I had never even dreamt of being. And that's exactly what it did. You know, it's interesting because since I started this podcast a couple of months ago, I've talked to all sorts of different women from various backgrounds. I've talked to some veterans. I've talked to some first responders. I've talked to some women who have never been Um, either of those things, but like a theme that keeps coming up over and over is this theme of self-care and growing Mm -hmm. through the tough stuff. And so I guess the first thing that I'd want to say is it's not limited to a certain group of people. It's, you know, we all go through tough stuff. There's Mm -hmm. life that ebbs and flows. Some of those wellness practices that you just described, you know, the journaling and, and those types of things are things that other women have also offered, what are some other wellness practices, like concrete examples of things maybe that you do now that help you stay focused and aligned? So my favorite one, and probably honestly, one of the easiest ones that'll take you just a couple minutes is practicing daily gratitude. Um, I have a magnet, um, you know, one of those like magnet whiteboards you can put on your fridge every morning, right? I go to reach for my creamer and get ready to make my coffee because I'm a very huge coffee drinker every morning. I don't miss a day. And the first thing I do before I grab my creamer is I put my daily gratitude on the fridge. 
And very often, now that I work from home quite a bit, it's theirs or mine all day long. So if a couple hours pass or, you know, if I get a frustrating email or something just irritates me, all I got to do is walk over the fridge and I have that gentle reminder, like you woke up this morning and you said you were grateful for the cool air and the sunshine. And it just instantly shifts my perspective. And it's something that my wife has now incorporated into her daily routine. She puts her daily gratitude right under mine. Sometimes it's the same exact gratitude. It really helps us stay on that positive foot all day. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because again, there's been several women. As a matter of fact, last week I spoke with a spiritual mentor, spiritual guide. She talked a lot about gratitude and very practical practices to incorporate gratitude into life to remain in alignment. And the other thing that she was talking about is when you do that, then you can also connect with your purpose. So you had said before that you had lost your purpose and you had lost your sense of meaning. Have you found it? 1000%. Um, my purpose, I really truly believe is to be a healer. Like I, I feel like I was put here on this earth to be a guide, to be um, a healer for other people, to really be that, that soft hand in a, in a, in a hard world, right? Like to just help people any chance I can, even if it's just a little of things like, you know, someone can't read something on a top shelf in a grocery store, or maybe it's showing someone the way of post-traumatic growth. Like those are still on the same playing field as me and they're just as important, right? Or, or just offering a, a handshake or a smile, but my purpose is, is to help people. And you're doing that. I mean, not only are you doing that in your professional life, but you're also like, you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk. So how did you get involved in transitioning from being a student of post-traumatic growth to being a healer and an expert guide in the world of post-traumatic growth? That's a great question. You know, I, when I went through the program that I went through that changed my life, I had a guide who told me, I can't wait to watch you explode. And I think it was him believing where I could be and looking past where I was and remembering that feeling that I felt deep down inside. I was like, I need to help people also feel that. So I set a goal for myself and I said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to make my way back to this very organization that changed my life. And I kept that in my sights. And seven years later, you know, the opportunity presented itself. It actually presented itself five years after I went through it, but it wasn't a good time in my life. And I had to have the self-awareness to say, I'm not ready just yet. So when it presented itself again to me at year seven, it was a whole body. Yes. Like this is the time I'm ready to help other people. And I just remembered where I was that day going into that very first day in that program. And then knowing the journey and, and doing that self-reflection and just really sitting in the feeling that I have now in my life and where I am. And I just knew I have to take this leap of faith. And like I said, it was a whole body yes. And it was just a, a leap of faith to, to change my entire career and jump back into this work because I knew how much it means to people. And I knew how much it meant to me and that promise that I made seven years ago to, to Broken Shannon. So Healed Shannon, what's been the most challenging part? The hardest part is not wanting to, to save people and rescue people all the time, but to, but to just be there, be there and be what they need me to be, because it's not about always about giving advice, but it's about listening to other people and hearing what they need. And I know how important it is to just 
to show them the way to teach them what post-traumatic growth is all about and give them the practices they need to start on their own journey and walk alongside them. Or maybe I'm just a little bit ahead, but I'm still on that same journey. That's still on that same path. So what about any success stories? I mean, surely you have people that come back to you months later, years later, and they're like, Shannon, you were that person kind of like that guy was for you that you had mentioned before. Do you have any success stories that you can share? Yeah. You know, I have one that's, that's very simple. And, and, um, you know, it was the very last day of a program and, uh, I had a gentleman walk up to me and he very seriously looked at me dead in the eye and said, you saved my life. And I almost had this flashback of when I had interviewed with him and how there was just, there was just nobody home, right? He was just, a, he was a hurt man. And then seeing him smile at me and say, you saved my life. It was the most impactful and profound moment since I started doing this. And all I could say back to him was, I didn't save your life. You did, you, show, you showed up, but we still keep in contact day in and day out. And he still, you know, tells me, you know, you're my hero and, and you saved my life. And, and to see him smile to see him be in his community and be back involved with sports and, and um, in his craft, it's so humbling. It, it's so humbling. Yeah. So you're going from saving lives to now bringing new lives into the world. Um, you and your wife are about to have your first kiddo. And I know that when we briefly chatted right before we started uh, recording today's show, you said that you were in panic onesie washing mode. So are you ready? Are you prepared? You know, can you ever be 100% ready, right? You know, this is a journey that we've been on for three years. We've tried a couple different avenues to, to starting our family. And, you know, we've been met with heartache. We've met with heartbreak, you know, a lot of stress. But back in April, we finally got that that positive here we are, we're on a roll, we're having a baby. You know, we've really grown stronger as a couple. We've, our communication is just on point when we talk about how we're going to raise this little one and who we're going to be as parents. And then also really harping on maintaining the fact that we're still a couple. We want to maintain who we are. You know, we don't just want to have that label as moms, you know, because we've been on the journey for so long and we've had so many conversations, spend a lot of time. I think we are ready, but I think we are as ready as we can be uh, more excited and anxious than anything. Do you want to share with us any part of your journey from the idea of wanting to start your family to almost now getting close to the finish line? Yeah. You know, I mean, the conversation started um, right before COVID. Um, so we were getting ready to, you know, go through these doctor's appointments and have a couple of different procedures. And then COVID happened that kind of stalled us. And um, we had initially from there decided, well, maybe, you know, adoption might be the route to go. You know, we have a lot of children looking for homes, especially during a pandemic. And we felt um, a real need to, to help and, and become moms that way. But it, it didn't go as planned. Um, neither did IUI. And then we started to kind of look at each other and be like, you know, maybe it's just me, me, you, the dogs, and, and that's okay, right? And then, you know, we, we spent time having conversation with family. We weren't sure what family would feel about the two of us, you know, two women, we were just getting ready to get married. Now we're talking about having children and we just weren't sure where that was going to go. But, you know, we held on to one another and, and really believed in the fact that we both really wanted to be moms. So in the last year, we got aggressive and then decided to go the IVF route. We were like, we're doing this. If we're going to do it, like go big or go home. 
and of course that came with stressors and you know it was hard on my wife there's a lot of meds that are involved and um, I'm not really big on needles um, and I had to help give her <laughs> needles almost every single day with meds but um, it made us closer while it was stressful it was a beautiful journey and now that we're here it's it's surreal well, congratulations. I don't know. That just totally fills my heart. I'm so, so excited for you both, but Thank you. I mean, clearly you're going to have to make some adjustments, right? Yes. Like you're, you're already feeling it and you're already feeling the pressures of trying to balance all this stuff. Like what kind of adjustments do you see yourself making and how do you anticipate being able to balance that with all this self-care stuff that you practice? You know, I think it's important to remember that the wellness practices that I utilize to keep my mind sharp and my body sharp will only prove better for our baby down the road, right? If I'm the best version of me, then it's going to help take care of our child also. You know, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, right? Every baby's different. I'm sure, you know, those first couple of weeks are going to feel really weird, um, I'm a habitual like in bed by 9 p.m. and up at 5.30 type person. I'm sure that's going to change, but I have to be intentional and it's going to take a lot of communication with my wife. Right now, I'm a very like Outlook calendar, Google. I even have my breakfast, my, my change, my gym time on my Google calendar, no lie. So I'm sure this baby will um, throw a monkey wrench in that, but you know, I think I'll be able to to adapt. So we'll see what that looks like. I'm not sure. Does your wife practice these wellness practices as well? So she does do her daily gratitude. Uh, we do nightly guided meditation together. So I'm sure that will have to adjust a little bit, right? Someone's got to be with the baby or maybe we'll do it, you know, earlier in the evening when the baby's napping or sleeping, but she does, but she, you know, she has a um, high stress job as well. So she's going to feel that once she goes back to work and that'll be another adjustment, right? You have the the newborn and then you have the six months is over, you both are going back to work adjustment, you know, as long as we show each other a little bit of grace and, um, you know, patience, I think we'll be just fine. So have you done any, any reading about it? Like what's on your reading list or do you have time to read? I start every morning with the daily stoic. So they're just short couple paragraphs read for each day of the year, um, just on different things the stoics believed in and different concepts and ideas. But I'm also currently reading a book called The Art of Happiness. I can't remember the interviewer, but he sits with the Dalai Lama and just talks all things happiness and mindfulness. And it is a beautiful book. The problem with the book is I'll get a couple paragraphs in and it'll spark my interest on something else they're talking about. And now I find myself ordering a new book. It's a slow read, but it brings me a lot of joy to read it. A lot of beautiful concepts in there. So you might have to switch from uh, hard books to audiobooks here pretty soon, right? Maybe I think so. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Actually, I haven't thought about that yet, but I think that that's going to have to be uh, the go to there, man. I'll tell you what, that is my one of my favorite things to do is just put on an audiobook and take my dog for a long walk and just get into whatever's going through my earbuds. It's It's so much fun. Okay. So reading lists, let's talk about another kind of list. What's on your bucket list? Number one on my bucket list is I want to visit uh, Shannon, Ireland so very badly. It was a very special place for my grandfather uh, who I lost back in 2006. Um, he was a New York City police detective and the reason, very reason why um, I wanted to serve my community, my country. So that is number one on my bucket list is to visit Shannon, Ireland and then um, last year I visited the superstitions in Arizona and it was very 
beautiful, spiritual, um, humbling place in that time in nature uh, really made me want to do an overnight backpacking trip in the superstition. So definitely those are my top two. Are you named after Shannon Ireland? The longest river in Ireland, the Shannon River. That's that's your namesake, huh? It is. Oh, I love that little tidbit. I didn't yeah. know that. That's fantastic. Yep. So you've you shared a lot of wisdom and you have shared a lot of practical applications. So what would your best nugget of advice be maybe for those who are facing uncertainty and that fear monster that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast? So advice. One is that fear is a really great place for growth. And that was something that um, a guy and a mentor and a coach told me um, when I was in the midst of, of struggle. And then two, do all things through love lead with love. And it's funny, you know, someone asked me that same question about a week and a half ago when I was at work. They said, if you can give us one piece of advice when we leave here, what would it be? And, and the first thing that always comes to my mind is to just lead with love. Believe in the beauty that's out there, right? Believe in the beauty that is within people, regardless if they're showing you a mask, right? Believe in who they can be, but just yourself, like lead your life day in and day out very intentionally and with love even if you're in struggle, because it could always be worse and it could always get a whole lot better, right? You just have to believe. And I think that that starts with love. And that's something that, you know, my wife and I talk about a lot that we're going to talk to our kids about to always lead with love. I wrote that and listeners, you can't see this, uh, but I did write that in big red letters on my piece of paper over here, lead with love. I think that's going to be my new mantra that I follow. That's going to be my, my 2024 uh, words, not word words, lead with love. I love it. Yeah. So what is your one piece of advice that you would give to your listeners in the midst of maybe a difficult time that, that they don't necessarily see that light at the end of the tunnel just yet? What would be that one thing that you would tell them? That's a great question, Shannon. In my own experiences, I would have to say that you need to follow your intuition, you know, that little gut feeling. And the biggest thing that I've found is sometimes that little gut feeling doesn't make sense. But if it really resonates with you, then you need to lean in to the next right yes. And you don't have to have everything figured out all at one time. Uh, I think a lot of times we think we have to have the whole puzzle put together and we have to know what it's going to look like on our three-year plan, on our five-year plan, on our 25-year plan. And uh, I think the best laid intentions often get changed up, if you will, depending on how mm -hmm. life takes us. And we just have to remain uh, dynamic with those changes. But for me, what I've found is the best way to stay dynamic and to lead a really big life is just to lean into the next right yes, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. And I mean, that's what led me to Montana. It's what led me to starting this podcast. But honestly, it's what's also led me to meeting incredible women like you. And so thanks for that. And thanks, Shannon, for taking time today, uh, despite the crazy busyness of getting ready for your little one, um, for sharing your wisdom and your nuggets of knowledge. You are meeting this challenge. You're going to be such an amazing mom. And so... I am really, really excited for you both and so grateful for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sue, for having me. It's been awesome. It's been a pleasure. 
And listeners, again, thank you so much for tuning in. So be sure to leave a review and to subscribe because you don't want to miss any of our upcoming Extraordinary Women. I'll see you all next Friday for another edition of Two Gals and a Mic.